Thanks for listening to the Innovation Experts, a new global podcast brought to you by Farnell, Newark, and Element 14, where you can find out about the latest innovations in the world of electronics. Hello and welcome to our expert interview in the new global podcast from Farnell. My name is Cliff Ortmeyer and I'm the Global Head of Technical Marketing at Farnell and joining you from Chicago. Today we've got Dr. Philip Weigel from Rodian Schwartz joining us from Munich in Germany. Philip started working for Rodian Schwartz as a product manager in charge of entry-level oscilloscopes, but today he leads a product management team for power products, meters, sources, and audio analyzers at Rodian Schwartz. Welcome to the podcast, Philip. Hi, Cliff. Thanks for having me. So, hey, let's just start off with uh, you telling us a little bit about yourself and your career. You know, what, what ultimately ended up uh, bringing you to Rodian Schwartz? <laughs> Good question. So, I studied physics um, at a technical university in Munich at the Max Planck Institute and then did my PhD at, a, at CERN at the Atlas Experiment Hunting the Higgs. And after, after this experience, essentially, I, I looked around what to do and Rodin Schwartz was an interesting um, company as it allowed to explore many different other applications in um, test and measurement. And as a product manager, I had the chance to go into a lot of different trades. So R&D, production, service, sales. And I really like this combination of different facets in the product management of RNS. Yeah, I got, I got to say you're the first person I've ever spoken to that had a relation to finding the Higgs boson. So that's pretty incredible. I'm pretty pretty flattered to be talking to you. So, you know, a lot of people have heard about, uh, you know, Rody and Schwartz. And, but can you give us a bit of an overview in terms of what kind of product lines that you guys have that they might be not be so familiar with? Sure. I, I think first, maybe if you're talking about Rody and Schwartz, important um to see it's a family-owned business. We were founded about 85 years by Mr. Rode and Mr. Schwartz, and their, um, their kids and grandkids are still running the business. And actually, our CEO, and Christian Leicher, is um, a direct uh, grandkid of the founders. Nowadays, we are all over the world, 12,000 people working at Rode and Schwartz, 2.5, about a, mil- a billion in revenue. And as you just said, we are in many, many different um, business fields not just the test and measurement, um, all connected by this claim, um, safer and connected world. Yeah, I know. I, I know you guys obviously quite strong in the in the RF space, but, uh, you know, you've got a broader product portfolio than that. What what kind of products do you guys uh, get into? If you abstract from the test and measurement, so we have essentially four main pillars in RNS. So we have the test and measurement, and we can dive into this in more detail as I'm from this division. Um, but there's three others. First, there's broadcast and media. And if you're, if you would call up your local TV station, they most likely would have a broadcast um, station by RNS. But we're also diversifying across the whole chain of production till delivery. The third one, or the third pillar, is our aerospace and defense pillar. You might have had contact um, with products here if you boarded a plane obviously in this pandemic times it's not so often the case um, but this new body scanners if you're an airport it's security check the body scanners are an rns product in this space but also the communication of like police forces and and firefighters is a big um, chunk of rns in this domain and the last um, pillar of the rns 
um, company as network and cybersecurity. So a lot of communication nowadays is happening and securing this communication, like encrypting, decrypting it, so that you don't have eavesdrops uh, on, on your line. This is the fourth pillar. Um, wow. As said, so I'm from the test and measurement division. And, and you said it right, most people know us for our um, RF equipment. And definitely we are one of the market leaders in this wireless communication space. So any cell phone you would find in the market most likely um, was tested with our equipment. Obviously, we also have a lot of other RF equipment like signal generators, spectrum analyzer, spectrum and signal analyzers. Um, we are also one of the market leaders in EMC and field strength measurements. And our RF and power meters um, are leading in the field. But, and this is often not seen, and we are also very strong in, on the digital side, on the other side of the Fourier transform, like oscilloscopes and power supplies. Man, you guys, you guys cover an amazing amount of technology. So next time I go through the airport, I'm definitely gonna want to go through the body scanner. I'm gonna go Rodian Schwartz under my uh, under my breath there. So uh, you know, when speaking of technologies, I mean, wh what do you find um, the most interesting in terms of technologies or markets? Yeah, as I said, also when I when I joined from CERN essentially to to Rodian Schwartz, one of the things I'm driving our times is now essentially what is also our claim at RNS like safer and connected world. So you're seeing now the 5G rollout. So a lot of things get connected. We're speaking of the internet of things, everything gets online. On the other side of this, if I look to my phone, every time it runs um, low on battery, so batterification and like battery lifetime is a big topic and in these days. And I really think it's, it's, it's thrilling to be there. Um, to make this longer-lasting batteries. Yeah, no, I, I I get that one. That's uh, I mean, they're they're basically in everything. From from your standpoint, what do you think? Uh, you know, speaking around the test and measurement side, what what presents the biggest challenges for you guys uh, from the test equipment uh, side? Yeah, it's a good question. So obviously, um, for our engineers and for us. A challenge is always a great thing because it's we are all people um, thrilled to drive technology and see where we can get. But obviously, if we are looking into this new mobile phone standards, and if you're looking not only just to 5G, but to 6G and the very high frequencies, um, higher bandwidths, this obviously yeah. is, from a technology point of view, a really um, complicated thing to get there. But it's also um, exciting. On the other hand, um, if you look into the green energy and the higher efficiency, um, this obviously means higher dynamic ranges and very small currents if you measure it. So if you think of phone being in a deep sleep state, going to a transmit state, um, you have orders of magnitude and current change there. So this is also a, really ch a real challenge to get this better and better. Yeah, I think, um, you know, in the old days, I, I used to work in a little bit in RF, and I know it was a challenge just working in the, the low megahertz region, you know, in terms of skin effect and having to make sure that, you know, you had impedance matching and everything. But now with, like you said, 5G and even 6G, the frequencies we're talking about are unbelievable. Now everybody's got to learn about waveguides and, uh, you know, and, and the low power, like you said, the quiescent power and the quiescent currents. The, the the precision that has to be you know done from the test side 
you know, just the measurement setup has to be uh, almost perfect, you know, I'm guessing going forward. Yes, uh, and this is really a challenge and we are also working together with not only like normal industry, but also research institutes um, to get like the newest technologies there in outer products. And this is also really exciting. So uh, from a product standpoint, uh, you know, for Rodian Schwartz, uh, where do you see the most growth in terms of the product uh, families? Are they all growing the same or do you see certain areas uh, really taking off? Obviously, in, in each company, each uh, different areas have different um, dynamics. And if you now look at this present time, and this is also what I just elaborated on, um, 5G is rolling out. So obviously, in the 5G sector, we have a very dynamic market at the moment. Um, but also this topic about um, power consumption, this is getting real to the point um, a lot of companies bringing batteries to a lot of devices where they haven't had batteries five years ago. And so this is a very dynamic field as well. And I'm guessing uh, what, what kind of things do you have to do in terms of uh, testing batteries? I mean, with the battery development, what are some of the key types of uh, equipment that you need if you're going to be either producing batteries or even just using batteries in your applications? So if you look um, into batteries and the whole ecosystem of batteries, obviously you start in finding the right materials over producing a battery, over optimizing um, the usage of a battery in a device, in the end to recycling. And depending where you are, you have different applications. But if we are sticking for a second, uh, let's say with a phone or with a smartwatch or some other device, one key application there obviously is getting the power consumption as low as possible because Every battery has a certain capacity, and the longer it lasts, uh, the, the less power you use, the longer that battery lasts. So what have you do to do? Um, typically, what you do is you implement different states into your device. So you have some transmit state, you have some idle states, and you have some sleep states or even deep sleep states. And this is a real challenge in, in R&D if you are tuning this, because obviously you want the device A to be transmitting and reactive to your customer um, whenever he wants it. And on the other hand, you want to go to this deep sleep state as fast as possible so that the battery lasts as long as possible. And to analyze this, you need power analyzer or power supplies or an SMU, which allows you to really have measurements at this at high precision and accuracy at very low currents, and then within a second at high currents, so you can really understand how this power consumption is. And then obviously you want also to correlate this to other features. So for example, you're looking at a YouTube video and you want to see, oh, now it started this feed and how does it work? So you you want to have protocol analyzers or you're just looking into it with a scope to certain things happening on your circuitry and correlate this back to your power consumption. You know, you actually mentioned one, one device that it's always been in the back of my mind and I never had the chance to use it when I was, uh, when I was on the bench, but uh, an SMU, it's one of those devices that I always thought, you know, I know I can characterize a diode with it, but it always seemed to be a very high tech and really, you know, uh, a machine that's really only used for um, specific applications. Would you mind just kind of giving me an overview in terms of what, uh, what an SMU really is and the, the applications that it's uh, best used for? Sure. 
Um, so what's an SMU? So SMU stands for Source Measure Unit, and it, this name already gives part of it away. Um, it's it's a test and measurement device which can source and measure at the same time. So typically, what people understand under SMU is essentially a high-end power supply, which can very precisely and accurately power. But then in the same box, you have also the functionality of a DMM, so you can measure what you're supplying or how much current, how much voltage, and often then you also have further analysis functionality which can derive you like power or other um, quantities from this measurement and this all tied up in one box so you can also some not only replace equipment on your box but you also correlate these measurements within the box so you have a defined state and then there's another important thing about this power supply because it's typically not just a standard power supply which gives you like 12 volts and five amps or whatever. But it's a typically a power supply, which is a so-called four quadrant power supply. So what does this mean? Um, a standard power supply gives you positive voltages and positive currents. So you, whatever, you put it at five volts and it gives you three amps and that's it. Um, then there are so-called two quadrant power supplies, um, which incorporate a load as well. So you, these can give you positive voltage and can deliver your current but can also sink currents. So for example, if you're trying to dis discharge a battery or analyze anything, these can act as a power supply and a load. In contrast, when in an SMU, this four quadrant operation, um, these can supply you positive voltages, negative voltages, positive currents and negative currents. So, and you just mentioned already one example. So if you're looking into an IV curve of a diode or something this, um, obviously you want to go from negative voltages and currents, crossing the zero, going up to positive um, voltages and currents for this IV curve. And that's also where you often find SMUs in semiconductor environments. But as I said before, um, it's also a very high precision and power supply, and this enables um, other applications like looking into power consumption of a phone. Yeah, no, I, I think actually one of the things that you mentioned, uh, it can act as an electronic load. So, I mean, if you think about it, you got a power supply, a multimeter, um, you know, a source, uh, a source unit, um, you know, basically a power supply, and it is an electronic load. Uh, that that does seem to be quite a number of uh, devices all in one. I mean, can this can this device realistically replace, you know, four to five pieces of uh, equipment on your bench? I mean, is it realistic to look at the, look at a piece like that? Obviously, it depends on your application. But yes, in many applications, it can replace like loads, um, DMM, data logger, power supply on your bench. And I think the key point is not only it can replace these. Um, but it, typically you use it in a more advanced environment and then you also care that all your measurements are correlated. And if you have, whatever, you have any circuitry, you power it with five volts and then you have the current flowing and so on. And on a second um, instrument, like a DMM, you are measuring this. And afterwards you try to correlate this somehow. So you try to understand, okay, now in my in my DC-DC converter, I switched the input from, from five to eight volts, and what happened on the output and so on and so forth. Correlating this 
sometimes get involved if you have a lot of different measurements. And if you're using something like an SMU, um, you're saved from this hassle because everything is contained in this one box and it works out of the box. Got it. Got it. So what, I mean, uh, right now, uh, obviously, other than from the semiconductor uh, standpoint, you know, testing, uh, what are the applications that SMUs are being used in now that they may not have been used in, you know, five, 10, you know, years ago? What, what are the upcoming applications where it really does make sense to use an SMU? Sure. Um, so if you're looking at SMUs, you typically find them in, let's say, three main areas. Um, as you just said, semiconductor is obviously the most natural one um, and the historic one. But there's two other big ones. Um, we call them precision electronics and um, the other one is research and education. So what is this? Um, within precision electronics, you're looking into a lot of high-end electronics measurement, like the example of the battery consumption of a phone we just had. In research and education, you have a lot of different applications, like if you're looking to um, quantum technologies or just material research, and you want to understand very small currents at very high accuracy, this is where you would also use an SMU. Okay. So, I mean, uh, when you talk about like battery testing for, um, you know, uh, mobile applications, I mean, I'd say probably what 50 to 75% of the products out there are going to be using, you know, uh, batteries for uh, offline uh, offline usage. Does an SMU? I mean, what what? How does an SMU actually help you utilize or be able to implement a, a battery in your application? So, if you're looking into an application where you have a battery, so there's different things. Obviously, there's the the story we just had where you have a device living in different states and you want to optimize different states. But another thing um, which you can do with many SMUs and obviously also our SMUs, is that they can also simulate your different battery types for you. So think of you're having a new design and you want to decide, um, is nickel cadmium the right thing or do I need that and that thing? Or how would it behave if we are on a, on a skiing and it's very cold outside? What you can do in, in many SMUs is load a battery model and the SMU will then simulate you the voltage the impedance of the battery over the different state of start state of charge states of the battery so you can sit in your clean room or actually just your lab without leaving your house um <laughs> this sounds a bit weird in pandemic times but um <laughs> and in normal times this wasn't <laughs> this was an advantage but you could do it in your <laughs> office um simulating the battery and just understand how is my device working if the battery is like 90% empty is the device still on or is it shutting down in an undefined state so this is some, one thing you could um, analyze with a battery uh, with a battery analysis option on a typical SMU um, but also if you look deeper into batteries um, obviously a lot of batteries nowadays are like lithium ion batteries but if you look to your periodic system of elements, you could use a lot of different elements. And if you want to analyze how is this anode um, material working together with this um, cathode or how is this chemical reacting with that chemical, this is also where you typically have to measure very small currents over the applied voltages. Um, 
this topic is like a cyclic voltammetry. So and where you can analyze um, this with an SMU because you need eight four quadrants. You have to have positive and negative voltages and then also uh, measure the current flow there. This is also a very exciting topic. That's actually a really good point in terms of you know, being able to, I mean, not only act as a load, but actually act as a source of, you know, different battery types. I think that's that's huge in terms of the types of applications that it can be used in. Are there any other types of applications that it makes sense to really use an SMU in? Um, you know, I, like we were talking about diodes before, but uh, I know I've been reading some things and actually some things from you guys around LEDs, because obviously the world's now getting powered by LEDs and how can an SMU help out in uh, uh, LED applications? That's also an interesting topic because if you look around, um, energy efficiency is a big topic nowadays, and right so. But how do you get to efficient lighting, for example? And there, LEDs is one of the things um, employed, and this also gives a lot of cool new design things. So there's a lot of LED um, R&D around. And what's the challenge when you're looking into our LEDs? So LEDs are, in the end, um, light-emitting diodes. So you have, on the one hand, you typically care for the IV curve. So you need the four quadrants where you need an SMU already. The other thing is you typically care at which point how much light is emitted. And you probably also care at which point your LED stops emitting the light. So you want to correlate with some other measurement. So you put like a photodiode or something to, to measure the, the light emittance of the diode. And an SMU typically has also these communication or digital I.O. interfaces to correlate measurements with other things. And then last but not least, LEDs are also diodes essentially, which don't like current overshoots. And if you would use like a normal power supply for this, a normal power supply um, uses the voltage and regulates on the voltage. So if you set it to five volts, you switch it on, it goes to five volts and tries not to overshoot in the voltage, but it does not pay too much attention to what happens in the current. Um, while uh, many SMUs allow you to set um, a so-called current priority mode, um, where the power supply or the SMU will regulate on the current. Um, and this is really key if you're looking into LEDs because you just don't want uh, to fry your LED with a current overshoot. Yeah, no, completely get it. I, I mean, that's uh, those are two huge applications I think are broadly applicable. Um, you know, and I, I definitely see you know, the SMUs moving out of the, let's call it the strictly, you know, high-end semiconductor R&D space into the modern world. I, I, I definitely see these types of uh, uh, pieces of equipment becoming more and more prevalent on uh, benches. And, you know, obviously we see quite a rise in those as well. You guys actually just released your own SMU. Is that correct? Re recently? Yes, we launched our first um, own SMU, so we had some from ADCMT as third party, but our first SMU from RNS R&D about one month ago now. And where, how did, how was yours positioned in the market? Where, where do you where do you see it fitting in? So, obviously, we are very strong in market with wireless customers, so like mobile phone companies and 
all these ecosystem and therefore also the IoT companies. And this is also, we did a little like voice of customer or spoke to these customers, where are your issues? What is the challenge you have? And this is also where we defined our first SMU. It's, it's let's say, not the broadband SMU, like a Swiss army knife that's very versatile around all these topics of power consumption, all these topics of um, battery optimization. So what are some of the key features of, of your new uh, your new SMU? I think it's the NGU SMU, is that right? Yes, it's the NGU family. And the NGU t- family comprises two models, the NGU 201 and the 401. So in the very strict sense, the NGU 401 is the real SMU, which has the four quadrants. While the NGU 201 is a high-end power supply, or um, but it has just two quadrants, both feature uh, a linear design and can reach up to 8 amps and 20 volts. So, which is also interesting if you're thinking of fast charging your phone. So, typically, um, if you look at like USB power delivery and other standards, you have fixed voltages, and if you want to fast charge your phone. And you need higher, higher currents. So this is something where the NGU is really outstanding. It's going down to one microvolt or 100 picoamps of um, readback resolution. So it can measure really small currents and voltages. I think it goes up to 8 amps. So it's, it's a high dynamic range. Um, the four respectively six ranges of measurement. And last but not least, okay, um, it has a real new and, and, and crisp um, user interface since it has a very large um, touchscreen which allows us to do things which would not be possible like with normal seven segment screens. I know you said it's not a Swiss Army knife, but uh, according to those specs, I'd, I'd say that's pretty close to one. I mean, with that kind of range of power and that kind of precision, that's a pretty amazing device. I might have to see if I can get one to throw on my bench uh, here at home just to play with, you know, <laughs> keep it around. That's actually that's actually really really interesting. I, I mean, lear- I learned a ton today, and uh, I appreciate your time, uh, especially around the SMU part. That's I think that's going to be uh, really valuable to a lot of our listeners. You know, at the end of each podcast, I got to ask some questions just to get to know you a little bit better. So, uh, you know, call it the quick fire round. Uh, are you ready for a few quick fire questions? Sure. All right. So tell me. I mean, being in the the TNM space. What's the craziest application that you've seen one of your products used in? That's a good question. Um, let me think. So I think the most craziest thing, it's not really um, a question if it's, if it's really was an application or they were doing it for fun. I have to, I have to search the YouTube video of this thing. I think it was a YouTube video. Um, there was one guy who used one of our power supplies essentially to, to play music um for the different songs and he got actually pretty well into it so he um, if you look into our power supplies they typically also have an arp functionality inside so you can also sometimes replace an arp and he was exploiting this arp to create like a stereo equipment out of it <laughs> it's your uh, <laughs> poor man's audio file or i guess actually the price of the equipment sometimes that could be uh, the price of an audio file piece of equipment so that's yes. that's pretty <laughs> that's pretty interesting <laughs> How about you? Uh, any any projects that you're working on uh, currently? Uh, you know, either from the electronic side or anything that you're building. 
Um, actually, um, I, I destroyed my old smartphone two months ago while um, so the display cracked. And now with my two boys, I have like a two and a five-year-old boy, we are building a gaming console out of it. So we cracked it open. We, we are now powering it with an old PC power supply for the five volts of the battery or the 3.7 actually of the battery. And using the HDMI out, which is on the USB type C. And finally, it should be like a, a small gaming console for us in this pandemic lockdown times. You know, I'm really kind of jealous because all of my bench time at home seems to be replacing uh, my daughter's iPhone screens. That's that's the <laughs> that's the amount of enjoyment that I get out of things. So, uh, last question, and this one's a personal one, being a Marvel fan. Uh, who's your favorite superhero and why? Ha, you're a Marvel fan, so I should probably pick somebody from DC. No, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> if you want to go DC, that's fine with me. <laughs> no, actually, let me think... Um, I'll go something somewhere completely different. Um, I like Darkwing Duck, I think. Um, you know, I'm not sure if he's famous in, in the US, but actually, as a kid, I liked really like Donald Duck, and um, Darkwing Duck has an... It's, it's like amazingly translated, um, and it's, it's just funny. Um, so I, I, I will go for Darkwing Duck, just to tease you. I think I've actually seen that one before, so, yep. Yep, that's that's a cool one. That's respectable. That's respectable. Well, hey, uh, you know, thanks for taking the time today. You know, I mean, this has been this has been awesome. If our listeners want to, you know, get in touch with you, you know, what's the best way to reach you? So, there's certain ways. Obviously, um, you can always contact us um, via RNS and the Twitter feeds we have, or just drop me an email. Okay, sounds great. And anything else you want to talk about or bring up uh, before we go? I hope you all stay healthy in these times and hopefully soon we can meet each other in person again. Yeah, and, and actually get outside and do some battery testing instead of keeping everything in the lab. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this has been awesome. So uh, anyhow, thanks, Philip, uh, you know, for joining us today and sharing your insights. You know, to our listeners, uh, we hope that you enjoyed today's episode, and I'd very much like you to encourage you to uh, check out Philip Weigel and Rodian Schwartz online to find out more about their specialist products and services. And with that, thanks for listening. Thanks for having me. We'd like to hear what you have to say about how test and measurement equipment supports innovation in your industry. So please get in touch with us at technology at farnell.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I'll see you all for another interview on the Innovation Experts very soon. Until then, thanks for listening.